6 a.m. It took me 13 hours to finish. I crossed the finish line. I actually uh, won the men's division of that particular race, and it was tough. You know, the start's not difficult, but it's hanging in there when you want to quit. And the Christian race is just like that. All of us go through periods of time when we want to quit. To me, that's a four-letter word. Q-U-I-T. What I like is S-L-O-W. We start out slow and we finish strong for Jesus. Amen? So what I want to talk about for a few minutes is what Pastor Tom has been bringing a great series to all of us here over the past few weeks is Game Ready. And we know that 90% of it is get in the game. We have to be willing to step up to the plate. We have to be willing to hang in there when we want to quit, when we want to throw in the towel. And so Jesus gives us a model. He shows us the way. He inspires us. He energizes us. He helps us. He heals us. He equips us so we can stay in the game, cross the finish line strong, and not just do it by ourselves, but do it with some other people. That we go in there for the long haul and we trust the Lord to help us finish the race strong. Now, about 30 years ago, when I went into the ministry, I didn't have this particular paradigm of trail running in my life. This has become an incubator, if you will, of hanging in there and teaching me to navigate treacherous parts of the trail and enjoy the scenery and have fun and finish the race. When I went into the ministry, I was in pretty good shape. I was raised on a farm, so I always worked a lot out like that, raising cattle and hay and that kind of stuff. But after a few years of my pinstripe suit behind a desk, I started to put on the weight. remember one day I was standing in the kitchen fixing something to eat. My wife, Nancy, looked over at me and she said, You're starting to look like a piece of furniture. I looked at her and I said, What are you talking about? She said, well, your chest has dropped down into your drawers. I turned sideways and I said, you mean this six-pack? She said, honey, that more, looks more like a keg to me. So that kicked me into gear and I made a lifestyle decision in my life. Now let's hold that just for a moment. In Matthew 17, Jesus takes three of his inner circle to the top of a high mountain. I stood on that mountain a few weeks ago in northern Israel. It's a, it's a spectacular setting. It's up near uh, the Syrian border. Mount Hermon is there. It's a very rugged area, very mountainous. And Jesus took these three guys, Peter, James, and John, and they had a marvelous spiritual experience. We would call it a spiritual high. It was like a, an epiphany, if you will. And suddenly Jesus illuminated with supernatural light and they saw for the first time God leak out of him. This, this brilliance that overcame them. And it, was, it just made them you know, experience a spiritual rush. And so Peter runs up to him because Elijah and Moses show up. And he says, Jesus, it's good that we're here. Another rendering of that is, this is wonderful. Now, you and I can identify with that. Sometimes we've had experiences with Jesus where it enraptured us, right? It's like what we call in the church world a mountaintop experience. Jesus is a mountain climber. Next time you study his life, read all the different cases and instances where Jesus would climb a mountain. This is one of those times. Israel from Hebron north all the way to Lebanon, 
all the way to Syria to the northeast, Jordan to the west. I mean, I stood um, on the Mount of Olives at the same trip, and I looked east, and I could see the land of Moab, where Israel came through. I mean, it is tremendously rugged and mountainous. And so even Jerusalem is situated on seven mountains. So these people that followed Jesus, they were constantly going up and down mountains. They were traveling very extreme, harsh, hostile environment. And Jesus teaches us in these mountains and valleys. And so these, these experiences that we have, these spiritual experiences, are like mountaintop highs. And, and Peter had this. He said, Lord, it's good that we're here. This is wonderful. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go build three temples, and we're going to consecrate a temple to you and Elijah and Moses. And Jesus doesn't even respond to that. In fact, God speaks from heaven, and he says, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. Now, this scared the living daylights out of Peter and these guys. Because the Bible says they, they wasn't a courtesy drop. They dropped and they're laying there, and Jesus walks up one of the five times in the New Testament that he says, fear not. Could I just pause there for a moment and say to us, in the name of Jesus, fear not? Amen. Could I say that, fear not? Amen. Jesus touches them. He says, don't be afraid. And then immediately, it's almost like Peter didn't even say anything about the temples. Jesus says, okay, we're going down the mountain. Now, why do I raise that issue? Because in the church, in the church world, we go through mountaintop experiences. We have these spiritual highs with the Lord. Something magnificent happens. We reach a moment. It's like a, it's like a peak or a plateau or a, a pinnacle. And then suddenly, when you get to the top of the mountain, it's what I coined in my life. I call it the law of the mountain. What goes up must come down. And I've done that over and over. I've climbed a mountaintop, and then I have to go down in a valley. Climb another mountaintop, go down in a valley. That's the way it is in Christian life. We go up and down, up and down, up and down. So Jesus then takes them down the mountain. Now, why does he do that? Why is that so significant? It's because we can't live on the mountaintop. Just yesterday, in 12 degrees, I was on a hilltop outside of Kennewick running, and I'm telling you, it was not a pleasant place to be. I wanted to get off there as quickly as possible out of that wind. It was frigid. And we know that stuff just doesn't grow on mountaintops. It's down in the valleys where people live, where they settle, where life happens every day, day in and day out. But nonetheless, God often takes us up on a mountain because He gives us a new perspective. He gives us another vision. He gives us a new revelation. Now, the word transfigured there in Matthew 17, is where we get our English word metamorphosis. Metamorphosis. It's like a butterfly, from a caterpillar to a butterfly, from a tadpole to a frog. It means to change form. This is the spiritual lesson, that it's on the mountaintops that we experience with Jesus where we change. It's where we're changed. But then he takes us down into the valley where people are so we can spread that good word, so we can be contagious in our faith. He takes us down in a valley where life happens. And it's a good thing. The flowers are there. The water's there. Uh, more trees grow there. It's more lush. It's more marvelous. But Jesus wants us to spread that good revelation of His changing power, of His changing life, of His changing heart for other people around us. It's like an endurance run. 
It's something that we have to get a hold of because this Christian walk, this race, really, that we're in is not a hundred-yard dash. It's an endurance race. It's just like that 53-mile race I ran there. There was moments I wanted to quit. Everything within me wanted to quit. I wanted to throw in the towel. It would have been so easy to say at the next aid station, I'm done, and just quit, give up. Sometimes in marriage we want to quit. Sometimes in, because of financial pressure we want to quit. Sometimes in our parenting we want to quit. Sometimes in our spiritual walk something happens, disappoints us, profoundly sets us back on our heels, and we say, what's going on here? I don't know if I can take another step. Well, Hebrews gives us real insight, gives us real hope, gives us the ability to really grasp what it takes to sustain ultra-marathon faith for the long haul. Let's go to the next slide. Let's fill this room with the Word of God, and let's read this. Help me, I'm losing my voice, so help me read this. Let's fill this room and read this out loud. Reading. Do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blazed the way, all these veterans cheering us on, it means we better get on with it. Strip down, start running, and never quit. No extra spiritual fat. No parasitic sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both begin and finish this race we're in. Study how he did it, because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way. Cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there, in the place of honor, right alongside God. When you find yourself flagging in your faith, go over that story again, item by item. That long litany of hostility he plowed through. That will shoot adrenaline into your souls. So let's go back to that day I made a lifestyle decision change. I started running. And I chose... And God has used it in my life as an incubator, but I chose trail running, mountain trail running. And I can tell you when I started doing that, I was overweight, I was out of shape, uh, I ached everywhere, and I couldn't run a mile. I had to stop. I'd run, you know, and I'd give it all I've got. Then I'd stop, and I'd wheeze for a few minutes, and I was out of the game. But you know what I did? I kept going. I kept taking steps. What I learned is that the race of faith is one step at a time. It's something where you just take the next step. You just dive in and you go for it. And as soon as my breath would come back, then I'd take off running again. And I kept doing that. Pretty soon I was running a mile. It wasn't long. I finished a 5K. Then I said, I raised the bar. I said, okay, I'm going to run a 6K. So I did that. And I remember the day I ran 12 miles. I got home and I said, Honey, I ran 12 miles today. I can do this. So then I marked out a 20-mile course. I finished that. It took me four hours, and it hurt, but I did it. Then I raised the bar. I ran a 50K race. I entered one down in uh, California in Santa Cruz Mountains. It took me six hours and 30 minutes, and in those mountains, it was brutal. I'm telling you, the last mile, I was a praying machine. I was saying, Oh, God, help me. I need help here to take another step. But I did it. I crossed the finish line. Then I raised the bar a little bit, and I ran a 50-mile race. And so I just kept doing that. I kept adding the miles. I kept doing it. I kept training. 
And it's taught me about how to hang in there when I want to quit. When I want to quit my marriage, when I want to quit ministry, when I want to quit a relationship, when I want to quit my faith in Christ. It's taught me how to endure some tough times, some lonely times, some alone times, some times where it didn't make sense, when I lost all the ability to see the beauty of the the surrounding vision, when it didn't matter anymore about anything except the pain I was experiencing. God has taught me how to endure. And over and over, if you think about it, this is the last words of Jesus. He who endures until the end, he who overcomes until the end, the same shall be saved. This is what the Holy Spirit teaches us. Now, you might be saying, you know, what's Pastor Tom asking this guy to come talk to us about this for? You know, why, why are you talking about that? I don't run. Look, it's not about trail running. It's about your race of faith. It's about the fact that we're all in a race. We're all running. We're all climbing mountains. We're all sustaining the momentum of faith that God gives us. And so what do we learn from these few words right here? Let me just share a few points of what I've learned on the trail and what Hebrews teaches us. Because these people, they had the goods. And I like how Sam tied that in in Hebrews 12, saying that everything we do in life is connected to eternity. Well, these guys started off early in the race, and they were running hard, and the writer says, you guys are doing good. But, you know, then they begin to flag a little bit in their faith. They begin to slow down a little bit. And then he ends up with this capstone, this crescendo of saying, look, everything that's shakable is going to be shaken, so what is unshakable will remain. And that's a marvelous thing about God's kingdom. Let's go to the next slide. How do we do this? How do we sustain faith and endure? We draw courage from those who have gone before. Now, I don't know how many trail runs I've run in the past 16, 20 years, but a lot of them. I haven't counted. I, don't, I really don't know. But I, I run a lot of races, do a lot of running all year round. And I'll tell you, there's one guy that sticks out in my mind when it comes to this point that has inspired me to this moment. His name is Bob Hayes. Right now, Bob is about 82 years old. First time I met Bob, he was 70. It was up at Cleelum. You know, the marvelous thing, you can keep this in mind for the last point. I ran the Cleelum Endurance Trail Run 11 times, and on the 10th time, they awarded me this coat, and it says, 10-year finisher. And the Cleelum Ridge Run, you don't get a shirt or you don't get any award unless you finish. You have to cross the finish line to get a finisher's medal or shirt or coat or whatever. Well, I remember I was 40 when I met Bob Hayes. He was 70. He ran that race three times, and out of three times, I could only beat him once. I mean, he's 70 years old. I remember it was always the last 10 miles. You know, I would get ahead of him. And then he would pass me. And he'd see his white shirt disappearing up the next ridge through the trees. And I'm thinking, what is this guy made of? I mean, why, why can't I catch him? You know, And I would run for all I'm worth and I couldn't catch him. And only one time did I do that. And I crossed the finish line. And just think of that, a 40-year-old guy. So I beat a 70-year-old guy. <laughs> you know, and I'd walk up to Bob and I'd say, Bob, what are you made of? You know, you draw courage from those who have gone before. That's what it means in Romans 15.4. Even if it was written in Scripture long ago, you can be sure it's written for us. 
And so when Bob, at 70 years of age, would beat me in the trail run, I'd say, if he can do it, I can do it. And that's a long litany of people in Hebrews 11, all those heroes of faith, that all-star team of faith that is recorded in Hebrews chapter 11, leading up to chapter 12, where we're told to set aside everything, to, to no spiritual fat, no parasitic sins, and run the race that Jesus has marked out for us whether it's Abraham or Jephthah or whoever you might want to pick that's listed there, we're, we learn there are two ways that we can walk through this trail race of life of faith that God helps us because both of them are included. One group in verses 32 through 36, they endure or they escape because there's valiance there, there's victory and fighting and, and closing the mouths of lions and putting armies to flight. And it's their faith that did it. Then there's another group, beginning in verse 39, that this group, they wandered around without a lot of clothing, without a lot of affirmation in life. They didn't get a lot of accolades. They didn't get any cheering crowd at the finish line. But then it says at the end of chapter 12, all of these people, God was well pleased with all of them, whether they escaped or whether they endured. It was by their faith that got God's attention. And so marvelous thing that God has given us. A couple of years ago when I was training for this race, you saw the video clip. I would run around the Yakima River toward Benton City, and I'd run for four or five hours out through there in the summertime, early in the morning. Along Dubertail, where they build those houses in that development along the Yakima River, the first one I would come to, they had two dogs there, and these dogs were not nice dogs. And so I'm, I'm running up there, you know, and these dogs would come out and greet me, and... You know, and I'll, what I want to do is run the other way. But see, what I've learned about enduring and sustaining is I don't retreat. I'm not going to run the other way. I told the folks last night I've had mountain lions jump out in a trail in front of me, turn and crouch, and her tail twitching. You know, and everything within me wanted to turn and run. But I knew that's not the right response to a mountain lion. I've had bears stand up in front of me as I'm moving up along a ridge and cow moose with a calf. And, you know, I remember one time, just a sidebar bar there, I was running around Mount Spokane. And, and sometimes when I'm running that tr those trails, I will, become over, I will overcome with emotion. I'll be praying in the Spirit. I'll, I'll pray out loud. I'll be speaking in tongues, running down the trail, tears running down my face. I'm praising God. One time I was doing that early in the morning, just absolutely euphoric what I was experiencing with the Holy Spirit. I came around to Ben. This white-tailed buck was standing right there in the trail. And his ears were up, you know, and he was all erect like this. And when he saw that I was a human, I'm telling you, he did, Marty, a one-and-a-half backflip gainer getting out of there and I know that he could hear me praying in the spirit as I was coming down the trail and he's thinking I'm just guessing but he's thinking what in the world is that and he didn't know until he saw me and then he just boy he did a backflip so I come to this house with these dogs and one day I'm running about 7 a.m. past this house and I see this guy out there for the first time and so he walks over the fence so I stop and I said hey I've been meeting your dogs on a regular basis, you know, so it's good to meet you. And what I found out, I'll call him Sergeant Terry for you. He told me his story, you know, we got to talking, and he said, I just got back from Iraq, and I was pretty sever severely wounded. I'm a first sergeant. He said, and I just got home from the hospital, and I'm on the mend, you know, and it's been real tough. He said, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm, I'm, I'm just out running and 
you know, enjoying the... He said, well, you're wearing that camelback and all that. You know, what are you doing? So he pressed me. I said, well, actually, I'm training for this 53-mile race down in Oregon. And uh, he said, you're kidding. I said, no, I'm not kidding. So we talked for a while, and off I went. And I saw him a couple times after that, and we'd wave and say hi, or I'd stop and talk. And then last fall, I was out there running again, and I noticed he, the dogs were gone. He had moved. And a friend that I had met at a trail race up in Priest River, uh, we were trained together one day, and he said, do you mind if I invite this friend? So I've not seen Terry for two years now, Sergeant Terry. He said, can I invite this friend? I said, sure. So we were waiting there to take off, and this truck pulls up, big four-wheel drive, diesel. This guy gets out, you know, and he's about 6'2", and he's real muscular. He walks up. I recognize him. I said, Sergeant Terry, how you doing, man? He, and then he recognized me. He said, I can't believe this. I wonder what happened to you. I said, well, here I am. We're running together for the first time. We got to talk. He said, I got to tell you something. He said, after that first day I met you, he said, you know, I went in and told my wife. I went right in there, and I said, I made a lifestyle decision right there. He said, honey, I was out there, and I saw this old guy. <laughs> you know, he told me he's training for this 53-mile race. He said, huh? Many of us have dreams. Many of us have had prayers. Pray. If he can do it, I can do it. You know, he, I can do it. He said, I'm telling you, I was in a lot of pain, and just little by little, I got healed up, and, and now I'm out here running with you. And I said, Terry, it's a God thing. He said, you know what? I think you're right. I think God orchestrated this. So you never know who's watching you. You never know who you are inspiring. And you may never hear that story. That was just a blessing of God that I got to hear the postscript of that story. Because people are watching you. People are watching you, Garden. They're watching you in this community. They're saying, what's, God, what's going on there? God's up to something. See? And so you are inspiring other people. Believe me. Let's go to the next frame. Draw courage from those who have gone before. Number two, you avoid everything that trips me up like ruts and rocks and roots. And you drop anything that holds me back. You know, one time I was running over the cutthroat pass up in the North Cascades. And I didn't think about this till earlier this morning. And I learned a valuable lesson because that's a very rocky, high mountain, North Cascade Trail. We start out at, at Rainy Pass at 4,800 feet. And in five miles, we gain 2,000 feet to the top of Cutthroat Pass. And we, we drop over. It's only a 12-mile race, but it's, it's a pretty brutal race. And it's very rocky as the North Cascades are. First time I ran it, I remember I was, I was doing real well. I came up over the top. I dropped down, and for seven miles, it's switchbacks and just rocky, sharp rocks sticking up everywhere. And I'm thinking, I gotta, I gotta, you know, avoid stuff here that's gonna trip me up. Came around, switchback, and I saw this guy. You know, he looked like he was out of uh, Sound of Music. You know, he got the hat and the feather and the walking sticks and a little backpack, and I even think he had them. Uh, what do you call them? Yeah. Lederhosen, you know, and he's, he's singing, and, you know, and I, he's got a camera, and I look up, and I'm watching him, and I'm trying to run, and lo and behold, you know what I did? I tripped, and I went down. I'm telling you, I skinned myself up all up my right side, and, and uh, you know, for many years, I rode bulls, and I learned how to roll, <laughs> you know, when I got off, so, but I was all skinned up, and, uh, he asked me if I was okay, and I said, yeah, and I kind of shook it off, and I took off, and I ran 
probably the next five miles, and I had blood running down my leg and down my arm. And this nurse from Seattle pulls up behind me. She catches me. She said, you okay? I can see you got blood all over you. I said, yeah, I'm going to make it. You know, and I'm, I'm starting to get stiff, you know, so I'm running like this. She says, you know what? I'm just going to tell you what she said. She says, you need to get your butt in gear, buddy. And I said, what do you mean? She said, you're slowing down. And, you, and I, I'm not leaving you. You're going to make it to the finish line. I said, okay, you know what? That helped me out. That gave me a little bit of stimulation there. And I made it the last couple of miles. I got down there and made the finish line. Sometimes, forgive the crudeness of that remark, but sometimes we just need to do as David did and encourage ourselves in the Lord if nobody's behind us saying, get with it. Get with it. Get down there. You can do this. You've got what it takes. God's going to help you. God is helping you. See, he says, drop whatever's ungodly. You know what ungodly means? It means living as if God doesn't exist. That's a vertical relationship. The horizontal part of that is wickedness, which just means I'm going to live as if you don't exist, as if you don't matter. Ungodly is God doesn't matter. Wicked is you don't matter. I'm sociopathic about that. So I let go of the ungodly, then I let go of the unnecessary. Most of the races, I only carry this. I carry this, I put, has a little pouch there, I might have a pouch on the back of my shirt, I carry just a few things, I make it to the aid station, I open the bottle up, I fill it back up, and I keep running. I read about one guy named Lloyd Scott, who ran the London Marathon. It's the longest marathon record in history, five days, eight hours, 29 minutes, and 46 seconds. You know what he was wearing? a full diving suit with a metal helmet. He did it for a fundraiser. But I'm here to tell you when you run a mountain trail races, you can't dress like that. And I'm also here to tell you that when you run in the race of faith, because there is a dragon that wants us to bow in servitude and wave the white flag and get a did not finish, constantly pursuing us, making us think we don't have what it takes, when in fact God has given us what it takes. In fact, Pastor Tom said last week, out of all those thousands of sperm and one egg, you win. You win. You're here because God's divine design and designer genes are in you. You got what it takes. But you can't carry all that stuff and finish the race. You have to pace yourself. Next screen, please. So you hang in there and you pace yourself. This race of faith, just like out on the trail, I run my own pace. All the pastoral staffs that I've ever had, they had to run with me. That was part of, you want to work with me, we're going to run. And we'd get out there, and most of them, they'd, they'd train until they finished a 50K. But this is what I'd tell them. Look, I know this is going to last forever. I'll change, you'll change. But when we're out here on the trail, you don't have to keep up with me, and I'm not going to keep up with you, because most of them are younger than me. We're going to run our own pace. If we get to run together a little bit, great. But we're going to hang in there. Our goal is to finish. Our goal is to cross the finish line. Pace yourself. Do you see what the encouragement is in Romans 11:2? Elijah. Paul's saying, you know what, we need, a, we need a moment here to remember Elijah because he was agonizing. There's been times in this Christian race we agonize. 
We, we go over something and we cry out in prayer to the Lord and we ask God, are you going to do anything? Are you going to help me? Paul says, do you remember God's answer to Elijah? That word remember literally means pregnant. Become pregnant with what God does in those crisis moments where you want to quit, where you want to throw in the towel, where you want to say, I can't do this. He says, I have 7,000 who haven't quit, 7,000 who were loyal to the finish. And sometimes I do walk. When I come to the aid station, I'll come up and I'll open my bottle. I'll say, here, please fill this. Sometimes I slow down. Sometimes I'll walk up the hills and run downhill, run the flats. You see, when you're pacing yourself in your Christian faith, you can't just run all out all the time because you'll burn out. You need God's energy, yes. You need God's enthusiasm, yes. We have to have the Holy Spirit to help us and the Word, the water of the Word to help us finish. But sometimes you just got to slow down. You got to pace yourself so you cross the finish line. Next, next slide, please. Develop a laser-like focus on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how He did it. Look at what it says in 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Let's read that out loud. So, my dear brothers and sisters... Be strong and steady, always enthusiastic about the Lord's work. For you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. The key word there is steady. Steady to finish. Following Jesus. Focusing on Jesus. Pacing yourself. Doing what you need to do to stay in the game. And endure through everything that you face. Watch Jesus. Study how He did it. That's how we're going to finish strong. That's what we need. Next slide, please. Finish strong at the finish line. This last uh, fall, I'd run this particular race 11 times, and I thought, well, I want to see some new scenery. So I went and ran a race up at Priest River, Idaho, and I had a friend who was finishing his 10-year 10th race last September. So I told him, I'm going to try to get back down there from Idaho and help you finish the last 11 miles, because I've run that so many times, it's not easy. That last 11 miles is where you want to quit. You know, it's not, not the 5-mile mark or the 10-mile mark. It's when you're, you're in the game for a long time. You know, sometimes people who are early in the game, they think, well, them, them older people, you know, they, they must have what it takes. I don't know if I do. I don't know if I can finish this race. I don't know if it's something that God's called me to. I don't even know if I believe it for sure. And they look at older people, but you know, it's usually when you get midlife where you surrender your dreams. You throw on the towel of vision. You, you give up on what God spoke to you in your early walk and race with Him. And so if we're going to finish strong, we need one another. That's the point. We've got to encourage one another. So I told Pastor Bill, I said, you know what, I'm going to come back down there and help you that last 11 miles because it always really worked me over that last part of the race. We took off and we're running along like this. You know, Bill's right behind me. It's dusty and hot. Bill, you can do it. I'd quote scriptures to him. We'd pray. I'd bless him say, you got what it takes, brother. You're going to do this. He'd say, oh, God. I'd say, Bill, I've told you, don't call me that. My name's Micah. Pretty soon, oh, Lord, Bill, come on now, it's Micah now. Don't call me, Lord. We'd keep going, and, you know, we got within a couple of miles. And this, this last little miles is just up and down, up and down, up and down. It just really takes it out of you. 
We're going up a hill, and I'm telling Bill, you, you can do this, brother. We're going to finish strong. And he's just digging deep. You've got to dig deep when you get in those long runs. You've got to dig deep to endure in your faith. We hear this sweet, serene voice behind us pull up. Excuse me, may I pass on your left? I turn around. I'm telling you, you know, women can actually do these races better than men. And, and these, these women are beautiful and they're tough. And here was one pulled up, little backpack, you know, pulls up there. I get Bill off the trail, we smile, and she goes by us. She gets up the top of the hill and she looks over her shoulder and she says, See you at the finish line. And oh boy, she's gone. I look at Bill and I say, Can you at least run like a girl? I said, Come on, man, we're, we're almost there. You can do this, baby. You know, we got to finish strong here. We, we saved it. He said, well, that's a problem. I didn't save it. <laughs> you know? Everybody, if they're honest, I don't, care who, I don't care what your name is. If you're honest, in this race of faith, there's times you want to quit. But for me, what God has taught me on the trail, He's taught me that there is no race I can't run. There's no race I can't finish. There's no circumstance I can't face head on. There is no situation that is too big, no mountain too high, no depths of my soul that become so dark that he's not there to energize me and increase me in the Holy Spirit so I can take one more step. And that's what I tell myself. Can I take one more step? Yes, I can. I can take one more step. I can take one more step. I can take one more step. And you can take one more step. You can take one more step. One more. Just one more. You can do this. And this community is watching you, but you know what? God is cheering the garden on. He's cheering you on. People are watching and say, what's going on there? Why have they grown so much? Why, why is there such enthusiasm? I have pastors ask me. I have people ask me, well, we know you go there when you're in town on the weekends. What's going on there? I said, the kingdom of God is there. kingdom of God is here. And, and I believe, I believe in Pastor Tom and Shelby. I believe in this leadership team. I believe in this church. I believe in the hard work of the core group that came together and said, God's given us a vision to plant a church, and you're going to celebrate three years in just a couple of weeks. You think of that. That doesn't just happen. That was by divine design. That's because God says He's at the finish line cheering you on, saying, You got what it takes, baby. You can do this. And my prayer always is that God adds to your tribe. He increases your flock. He multiplies this congregation. Because you got what it takes. You got the stuff. You got the spiritual metal. You got the tenacity. You got the sustaining power. You have the spirit of the living God. You got the word of life. You've got all the history of the champions of faith saying, Yes, you can do this. Yes, you can do this. And it's not just a mad dash. It's not a hundred yard dash. It's a long haul. It's mountains. It's valleys. It's hanging in there. It's the day I walked in this building with Pastor Tom and this place was a disaster. It was a filthy, dark dungeon full of junk. And I said, Pastor Tom, you've got the vision, baby. And now look at it. And now look at you. Even on this nasty day in the Tri-Cities, you're here. You're here. 
And you've got leaders and you've got people and you've got servants that believe with you. You've got a God cheering you on. He's got your picture in His wallet. And He's saying you've got to focus on the finish line. You can't just look at your feet and trip over everything in front of you. You've got to get rid of that stuff. Focus on the finish line. Because there's never been the slightest doubt in my mind, Garden, that God, who started this great work in you, would keep at it and do what? Bring it to a flourishing finish. Say that with me. A flourishing finish on the very day Christ Jesus appeared. Next slide. So keep your mind on Jesus, Garden, who put up with many insults from sinners. Then you won't get discouraged and give up. And last one, let's read it together out loud. I'm not saying that I have this all together, that I have it made, but I'm well on my way. I'm reaching out for Christ, who has so wondrously reached out for me. Friends, don't get me wrong. By no means do I count myself as an expert in all of this, but I've got my eye on the goal where God is beckoning us onward to Jesus. I'm off and running, and I'm not turning back. Amen? Amen. Let's give it up for the Lord. Go ahead. Amen. Let's stand together. Amen. Let me pray a blessing. Father, thank you for the fervent passion of these pastors, leaders, and congregation. Thank you for the tenacity. Thank you for the sustaining energy of your spirit that I never walk away from this church or this pastor or this team that I don't feel inspired and stimulated in my own soul, that absolutely nothing is impossible for you, that on those mountaintop experiences you give us the metamorphosis of changing power of the resurrected Christ. And I ask you, Lord, to touch and mantle and infuse the people that are here right now, this 11 o'clock service, with that sustaining power of endurance, to run their Christian race and never quit. That they'll get that finisher's medal at the end of the race of their life when Jesus calls it all finished because He's a finisher. He finished on the cross and He'll finish with the crown. And Lord, I ask You that even in those moments of heat where it feels like it's being turned up and they just might say, I can't take another step that you'll open the oven and say, Well done, good servant. Well done. That they'll finish with, with strength and power of your Spirit. And that, Lord, if there's any here that are feeling sidelined, that you'll encourage them. If they feel like they can't take another step, that you will buoy them up by your Spirit and Word. That you will do what no man can do and release healing and hope from heaven. And that you will change darkness into day and curses into blessing, and death into life. For your glory I pray. In Jesus' strong name, our finisher. Amen. Amen.